0: Welcome, welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Tuesday, and Tuesday has pretty much become Comedy Day. Once in a while we veer off into some kind of drama, but it's pretty much become Comedy Day. And we have a special guest today with us to do a two-week salute to Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Uh, also known as Abbott and Costello, for those of you who didn't put that together that quickly. Um, (laughs) We're we're going to uh, talk about their radio work, talk a little bit about their film work, I guess. And also we're going to listen to a program today and a program next week featuring uh, Abbott and Costello, uh, chosen for us by producer Daniel. I have not heard these. I don't know if our guest has heard them, but we'll find out. So that is the program for today. Let me introduce our special guest. He is Mr. Nick Santamaria, and I'm going to do this a little differently than he might think because he sent me a bio listing all his accomplishments, and he left off the one accomplishment that I am most familiar with and enjoyed most of all. And he's smiling. I can see his picture on the phone here. He's wondering, what in the world is he gonna say? Okay, well here's what I'm gonna say. Back some time ago, I did not know who Nick Santa Maria was. No clue, no nothing. I live in the past, so I don't I don't really follow modern stuff that much. But my family and I went to Disneyland, as we are wont to do every now and then. And my children at this point were, I would guess, between eight and 14 years old, somewhere in that range. And we went to uh, a little theater on the uh, California Adventure property, and there was a production of Aladdin going on. Now, I had seen the movie. My kids, of course, had seen the movie multiple times. And we thought, well, let's go see what they do with this as a live action thing on stage. It was something that I think was supposed to run like 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, whatever. Anyway, we sat down and out this performance came and out came the genie. And I have seen a lot of live performances in my life, but I had never seen anyone who was able to capture that character, who was a cartoon character done very well by, and voiced by Robin Williams, but to bring that character to life on the stage and have the audience in stitches... I was just blown away by this. My wife loved it. My kids loved it. We thought it was the greatest thing we'd ever seen at Disneyland. (laughs) And guess who that genie was? Mister Debbie Reynolds. (laughs) Debbie Reynolds, yeah. Mr. Mr. Nick Santa Maria, our guest today. The author of the book, The Annotated Abbott and Costello, which has fast become the definitive book on the team. And it's doing quite well out there, from what I understand, as well it should. Um, Nick has done a Thank whole you. lot of other things, and we can mention those later. But I had to acknowledge his work <laughs> as the genie, because that was just fantastic. Welcome to the good old days hey, of you know, John, show.
1: John, I love I loved that you called it a little theater. It, it held over 2,000 people.
0: Okay, I guess I remember that. I don't know. I just know.
1: It had two balconies, all, or three <laughs>
0: All I could see was you on stage as the genie and just marvel at the way you were pulling that off. Anyway, Nick has informed me that he has a little special song that he has composed to get things going here. So I'm going to shut up for a minute and let him sing.
1: I actually wrote this as I was waiting for this to come off. So (laughs) it's really nothing.
0: Okay. Well, whatever. Go ahead. Okay. Ready? Yep.
1: Welcome everybody to our little show, we are gonna learn a lot of things and get right in the flow, you'll meet Mr. T, the guy who's in the know about old time radio, old time radio, old time radio, we're on the air.
0: Okay, very good. Start out the day with a song. Who said that? <laughs> Jimmy Durant. How are you? How are you? Welcome to the good old days of radio show, Nick. Um, <laughs> we are here to salute Abbott and Costello. Um, I have not yet played... Anything on Abbott and Costello on this podcast, and we've done a couple hundred of them now, I think, um, except for, I think we did the Lux Radio Theater version of Buck Privates, if I'm remembering that right. If we didn't, we'll have to do that, but I think we did that one. That's the only thing we've done. But Abbott and Costello had their own radio show and all that. So I'm going to just be quiet here for a minute and let you tell our listeners Um, just a kind of a, for those who don't know anything about Abbott and Costello, what can you say to them? And then kind of we'll drag it into vintage radio as we get to the end.
1: Okay. All right. I'll save the radio thing because that's a whole uh, incremental thing uh, that they went through. So it's stages. They were in radio and stages. Abbott and Costello, uh, Bud Abbott and Costello were two Jersey boys. Both of them ended up in burlesque uh and it wasn't like dirty burlesque they they worked clean uh a manager by the name of Eddie Sherman caught their act thought they were much better than where they were and uh within two years thanks to Henny Youngman uh they were starring on the Kate Smith radio show starting in 1938 they became nationally famous at that point uh only being together two years out of burlesque it's kind of incredible so they uh, they're getting their radio time by 1940 uh fred allen gives them his summer replacement slot and that holds a lot of weight but anyway so uh, universal pictures uh and a couple of other studios put out feelers for them and the next thing you know they are the biggest uh movie names in the country and are just breaking records all over the world with uh buck privates which made an absolute fortune so abbott and costello most people know them from their routine who's on first which was voted the greatest uh american uh sketch comedy sketch of all time i don't blame them and that's really it they, they were uh they made 36 movies together they had two radio shows uh actually three if you count their kids series and uh they were huge stars and uh that's really
0: what i can tell you i guess okay so leading up to radio but not quite getting there i'll just ask you a few questions what if you had to recommend one abbott and costello film to a young person and we believe it or not have a ton of young people that listen to this podcast but they don't really a lot of them don't know anything about it and so what i try to do on the podcast is i try to attach things in the radio show, if I can, things or voices or actors or actresses or whatever, to something modern day that they can relate to in some way. I can't always do it. Sometimes about as modern day as I can get is the 70s, but <laughs> at least I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring it up into some kind of... Uh, form of reference other than the 1930s and 40s. So if you had to recommend one Abbott and Costello film for the per, the person out there who has never ever seen one, what would it be?
1: I don't, I don't think there's a question. Abbott and Costello Me Frankenstein.
0: Aha, that's what I thought you were going it's to say.
1: A, oh, please. It's, it's a near perfect film, for one thing. It's the greatest comedy horror film of all time. And it's just a pleasure from from the first frame to the very end. It's just a solid pleasure pleasure so if you can find if you can find that if you can find it there's like it's on 90 different blu-rays <laughs> because it's in every horror collection you know that universal puts out so it's in the dracula collection it's in the wolfman collection it's in the frankenstein collection it's in the uh uh, uh yeah and um and then they have their own uh box set of blu-rays of all their universal movies And that's it's included there. And it's also sold as a single Blu-ray. It's a very, very popular, seminal film that got a lot lot of our generation, not only into classic comedy, but into classic horror as well.
0: And I would second that recommendation. If you've never seen an Abbott and Costello film, make it Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I I knew you were going to say that, but I had to ask. All right, I'm (laughs) going to make it a little harder. What would be Uh-oh. the second film that you think would be most likely to appeal to a younger audience?
1: I would say Who It. Really? Who Whodunit okay. is, it eliminates the stuff that uh, my friends used to get impatient with when I tried to get them to watch the movies with me when we're, you know, when you're a kid. Uh, they wouldn't sit still for the songs or the love story that went with it. And I couldn't tell them that I love all 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 of them I love I just love their movies I love the music I love the, the stories I like I like everything about them but uh not everyone does so Who Done It really scrapes it down to the bare bone and it's bud and Lou at their best uh pretty much left to their own devices and I want to say one more thing about because this is very important uh they worked differently than most of their contemporaries they barely read the script they would come in They'd ask the director what he wanted, <laughs> and they would walk onto the set and make it up as they went along. They knew what they had to do. They knew what their, their goal was by the end of the scene. But it's like Curb Your Enthusiasm is shot nowadays. You want to connect it with something modern? Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is shot the same way. Uh-huh. You know the beginning and you know the end, but you fill in the middle with, with improvisation.
0: Well, my friend Robert Whitey would be happy to hear you cite his uh, his his program. He works on as <laughs> that so? Yes, yeah, yeah. V- very good. Okay, we're gonna make it even harder. Number three. Yep. Oh boy, number three. Okay,
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, i to say, who done it. I would go with, uh, probably the time of their
0: lives. Oh, interesting. I like that mm-hmm. movie, but it's completely different than their normal their normal things.
1: Um, mm-hmm. They call it the Albert Costello movie for people who don't like Albert Costello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, I never thought of it that way. I remember as a as a teen, early teen, watching all their films. I saw them actually earlier than that, but Time of Their Lives was one I hadn't seen until I was in my teens. And I remember not really liking it at the time. I remember thinking, "Eh, it's okay. It's not. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't do it for me like some of the other ones." But looking at it now, I can see the brilliance in it, and I'm ashamed of myself for not liking it as a team.
1: <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. I feel. I feel like it's. Uh, I wrote in the book that it's not only uh, a great Abbott and Costello movie. Uh, although it's not really an and Costello movie, They're, they play separate characters in it. But it's a it's a great fantasy movie from the forties just as just as good as the Bishop's Wife or you know Here Comes Mister Gordon or any of those. Uh, it's that good.
0: Okay, I'm going to throw you for a loop because I'm going to tell you what one I would recommend based on what my kids thought. And I showed my kids as they were growing up most of the Abbott and Costello films. We didn't have all of them, but we had most of them. And the one film besides Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein that they took to and just were rolling on the floor laughing was Abbott and Costello meet the killer, Boris Karloff.
1: That's a goodie. It's a goodie. The idea that fellow film noir.
0: Yeah, the idea that those bodies kept moving and appearing and whatever. Uh, my son was just rolling in the aisle when when that when that one was going. And it's looking at it myself. I go, well, it's okay. I don't think it's their greatest movie, but it really did appeal to to my family. So there you go. Man, that's
1: interesting. Yeah, that's not one you hear very often. No, you know, that's why I, that's I said it. I, I
0: thought you'd find that amusing. Um, i
1: do i do all right it's an interesting film of theirs in that they had a really strong supporting cast i mean alan Mowbray, uh what's his name oh he played charlie chan uh the last charlie chan roland winters uh lenore Aubert comes back and of course you have got karloff you know in a red herring role. but it's very dark uh it got criticized when it came out because it was so dark uh and in some countries foreign countries it was banned outright because of all the dead bodies
0: (laughs) they didn't find it funny like my eight-year-old son did I guess (laughs) like
1: your sick son
0: (laughs) yeah he's had an unusual sense of humor and still does but uh, anyway all right, so there we've we've given the folks, the, especially the younger folks here, and the older ones who may ha- may want to revisit the careers of Abbott and Costello, especially after listening to the podcast. Um, we've given them some choices to go out there and hunt down. Um, they're not hard to find. None of these are hard to find. So um, mm-hmm. let's see. We got Who Done It. We got um, The Time of Their Lives. We got Abbott and Costello Meet the Killer. Boris Karloff and the all-time perennial favorite Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Okay,
1: unless you are Matthew Conium.
0: Oh, well, Matthew Conium <laughs> he isn't does not here.
1: Like he doesn't <laughs> like it. He Matthew, doesn't like Abbott and Costello practice
0: for those of you who don't know who Matthew Conium is he's your co-author on the book The Annotated mm-hmm. Abbott and Costello and he chose to not be here today much to my consternation but hello Matthew I'm sure you're going to listen to this at some point wish you could have been here but you had other things to do so okay I'll only be slightly insulted but anyway uh, yeah <laughs> that
1: sock drawer needed rearranging
0: yeah and and You are correct. I I do know from your book and from hearing him uh, talk, he is not a fan of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And I do not understand that. But there's a couple aspects of Matthew I do not understand. But we're good friends anyway, so it's okay. (laughs) Anyway. Uh (laughs) <laughs> all right we've covered the movies now let's talk about radio um do okay. you i will assume you know all this stuff so i'll just let you go uh w- when was the first regular abbott and costello radio program when did that begin
1: i believe that began in 1943 uh where they started for camel cigarettes um and there were a few changes along the way this lasted until 1947 uh and it might have been forty two. I can't. I, I can't. Re- I'm sorry about that. I don't know as much about okay. the radio as I do movies, but okay. I do. I do know. I could tell you. Uh, so anyway, they they, um, they were on for Camel, and that was live. Uh, and it's funny. I, I I I write in my introduction in the book that uh, I wasn't crazy about their first radio show. I mean, it's fun, and they do a lot of their burlesque sketches and. You know, some of the music is good. Skinny Ennis' band is there, or Freddie, Freddie Rich, um, and uh, Connie Haynes as the girl singer and also the love interest for Lou. She's got this beautiful, sexy Southern accent, and she calls Lou my my fat little sugar man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, she was, and uh, Marilyn Maxwell. The otherwise known as Mrs. Bob Hope oh, was also a uh, uh, singer on the show and also played, you know, the femme fatale for the Lou. Um, but it was loose, and Bud was a really not a very good reader. You know, it's funny. You have to, and I want to ask you about this. Um, they did not do school. You know, they were not good students. Uh, all you'd have to do is hear like a couple of sentences out of their mouths, and you would know that they they live on the double negative um but i was wondering if anyone else in classic radio in old-time radio was a bad reader but but screwed up a lot while he was while he was setting up stuff and can't do that you know
0: well i don't Um, know the answer to that i can tell you that i'm not exactly surprised that you say that about their radio show, because just before we called you and and got you uh, on the air here, so to speak, I was having a quick little in-person discussion with producer Daniel, basically saying that I'm not a huge fan of their radio show. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. that there were some episodes that are hilariously funny and really good, and there's a whole lot of them that a real, a real yawn fest for me. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say that, but most people who tend to like Abbott and Costello have this kind of, uh, rose colored glasses and think everything in the world that they did is so wonderful. And I got to disagree with that one. But anyway, uh, no,
1: I agree with you. I agree with you about the radio show. I think that number one, they changed Lou's character, uh, drastically. He's, he's like Charlie McCarthy. He's like a playboy uh and a wise guy and an insult comic he's like Don Rickles um and that's not the loot we love that's not the the innocent boy you know man child um but for me I I could put up with that if the show were more tight if it were tighter you think about a you think about any Jack that show, okay especially post 45 say um you could you know bounce a quarter off it it's just so it's just so tight and good and funny and thought-provoking and everything else that goes with it but and Lou kind of i i get the impression they showed up uh the writers worked all week they showed up they looked at this, they read through it once got in front of the mics and did the show that's what it sounds like to me um and very quickly i also want to mention because i forgot to mention this when they were first on the radio for kate smith I mentioned that henny youngman got them involved he had got he was their weekly comedian on the kate smith show and he got a uh screen test in hollywood and needed to replace himself they told him you can go but you need to find a replacement he saw Bud in the working and recommended them And it, thanks to Henry youngman their trajectory was you know set but then ted collins and i know you know ted collins i know you know that name he said that people can't discern between the voice of bud abbott and the voice of lou costello so they made lou talk in this obnoxiously high whining voice that i could listen to for maybe 30 seconds before i have to turn it off um it's almost as annoying as those abbott and costello cartoons you know (laughs)
2: hey
3: um
1: but so, uh, but you know they they did that, and then when they did the uh, Fred Allen replacement series in 1940, they kept at it with that thing. They they kind of believed it. Eventually, when they got their own show, that was tossed out the window. Thank goodness. Um, so yeah, so they had this show, uh, very Lucy Goose. Lou hired mostly his relatives to write it, <laughs> and uh, then eventually they they were canceled or they jump ship to ABC just like Bing Crosby did. he went to, they went to ABC the show was transcribed so they were, were able to edit and Bud sounds much better in the show and um a future Jackie Gleason writers Leonard Stern and Martin Ragway uh were the writers on the show and there were no burlesque routines there were all new jokes during the openings and and during the, the, the uh bits they had together but the real star of this show and this is my favorite Abbott and Costello radio show uh was a character they created based on Sam Spade and they call it Sam shovel and Lou plays Sam shovel and he's a monotone you know he talks on a monotone almost almost sounds a loop but like obviously field um and he narrates just like the classic film war and Bud is his lieutenant And it's all fresh, original material. And Lou fell in love with the character and wanted to do just a series. Just like Jackie Gleason said, I just want to do the honeymoon. Lou just wanted to do Sam Shuffle stories on the radio. And I think you'll agree with me. The shows are just the fresh material makes all the
0: difference. Okay. Now, I I haven't heard those. I have not heard those, but I will reminisce here just for 20 seconds. When I was growing Mm -hmm. up, my father used to always reference Sam Shovel. And I knew it was a takeoff on Sam Spade, but I had no idea that he was a listener to this Abbott and Costello show until you just brought this up right now. I didn't know where didn't that help? came from. I knew he always used to say Sam shovel and make fun of it and all that, but I didn't know where it came from. Now I know where it came from. Thank you, Nick.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and I will
0: have to look up those. The other thing I was saying to producer Daniel earlier was I remember hearing a number of the kids show that they did. And I remember uh-huh. that being very, very good. Um, it was you, good you concur with that then okay
1: oh i do i yeah. do and i thought it was a great idea it was a great idea um they, they plugged the Lou costello jr uh, youth foundation um and uh, that got that rolling as well because they had national exposure and they had two a guy and a girl host you know little kids and they were both very professional and very good um and then they would have guests like Hopalong cassidy <laughs> or um, what's his name? Oh my oh my goodness. Another cowboy.
0: Gene Autre. <laughs> Roy Rogers.
1: Probably Roy Rogers, okay. Johnny Mac Brown. Johnny Mac Brown was Lou's favorite, by the way. Okay. His favorite attire.
0: <laughs> well, all right. Well we'll have to um do some searching because I have Abbott and Costello original 16-inch transcriptions here, (laughs) scattered in boxes all over the place. Uh, I don't have all the series. I don't have all of it, but I have a number of them. And we'll have to scour them and see if we can find some of these that you're referring to with Sam Shovel, because at some point I'd like to feature at least one of those and at least one of the kid shows, and maybe you can come back and we can do that in a different podcast down the line. Uh, That would be great. Okay. But let's go to the first one we have. Well, we have one for today and then one for next week. Um, The first one is from November 9th, 1944. And the only thing I know about it is that producer Daniel said it's all about Lou Costello trying to buy a racehorse. Are you familiar (laughs) with this one?
1: I've heard this one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you're going (laughs) to, you're going to hear it again. Um, he chose, um, shows that he felt were very heavy in wordplay, Um, And he said that this is one that he thinks that a modern audience will approve of. So Mm -hmm. we're going to listen to this together. And when the show is over, we'll have some more commentary. And that'll be it for this one. And then we'll be back next week with another one. So hang in there, Nick. Um, Author of The Annotated Abbott and Costello, the definitive book on the film careers of Bud and Lou. And he's holding it up for me to see it. But unfortunately, (laughs) the rest of you can't see it. But you can certainly go buy it. Uh, it's published by whom? McFarland. McFarland press. press. And I'm sure you can find it on Amazon, eBay, God knows where, everywhere out there.
1: On your micro, you'll be on your microwave. Everybody. On your
0: microwave. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope to fi- they find it on their bookshelf eventually. So, here's Costello. <laughs> that makes it a cookbook, I guess. Yeah. Here is Costello buys a racehorse from the Abbott and Costello Show, November ninth, nineteen forty-four.
4: The Abbott and Costello program brought to you by Camel, the cigarette that's first in the service according to actual sales records. See if your throat and your taste don't make Camel a first with you, too. Find out for yourself. (laughs) Listen to the rhythms of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the swingy singing of Connie Haynes, and that brave youth who bore through snow and ice a banner with this strange device.
3: Whoa, whoa, peanut butter Whoa, peanut butter Costello, Costello, what in the world have you got there? Oh, uh-huh, what do you think it is? It's a horse, isn't it? Certainly it's a horse What does it look like? A hip-hop puppet, a and a bus? No <laughs> Costello, tell me the truth now where did you get that horse? Oh, Abbott, I bought it for a dollar and a half from a fellow that was wearing a white suit. And in anything, this horse is a hero. What do you mean? He won the Distinguished Service Cross. Look, it says right on his blanket, DSC. Distinguished <laughs> Service Cross? Yeah, he won it. That means Department of Street Cleaning. <laughs> you mean that fellow in the white suit was a street cleaner? Certainly. No wonder when I first spoke to him, he gave me the brush. Uh, <laughs> Costello, you've got to cut out this nonsense. Now, last week you bought a dog, this week you bought a horse. Now, the next thing you know, you'll buy an elf. I did buy an elephant. Huh? I bought an elephant, Abbott. Why? What do you, what do you mean? I had to give him back. Why? They would not let me bring him home on a streetcar. Oh, <laughs> Costello, take that horse out of here right now and give him back to the man. Go ahead. No, Abbott. Come on. Please don't. Yes. Don't make me give him back. Abbott, I love animals. I want to keep him. Don't make me give Peanut Butter back. He's the sweetest, nicest horse I ever met. Come here, Peanut Butter. That's a nice girl That's a pretty girl Peanut Butter, give Abbott a great big kiss
5: oh. Oh.
3: Oh. Mm. Sure cools you off, don't it?
5: <laughs> Castell,
3: take that horse outside right now and turn him loose Wait a minute, Abbott, no, no I, I can't do that Peanut Butter is hungry and he's... I gotta feed him Hey, what do you? What does a horse eat? A horse, a horse eats his father He eats his father? Certainly Well, that's fine. And what does the horse's father eat? He eats his father. Well, what do you know? And what does the horse's mother eat? She eats her father. What are they, cannibals? (laughs) Certainly not. Every horse has to eat his father. Oh, I see. He eats his father. Yeah. And then his father eats his father. That's it. And then his mother eats her father. And the next thing you know, there won't be no fathers left for Father's Day. (laughs) No, 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 no. You dummy, to feed a horse, you take a bag and put his fodder in it. Does he stand for it? Certainly. You mean you put his fodder in a bag? That's right. And you hang his fodder on his nose. Now, ain't that a pretty picture? A horse walking around with his fodder hanging on his nose. (laughs) Will you talk sense, Costello? Now, if you intend to keep that horse around here, you'll have to take care of him yourself. You're going to be the horse's groom I'm going to be the horse's what? His groom You said you loved the horse, didn't you? Yeah, but I don't have to marry him (laughs) Look, Costello, when I say groom I mean you have to curry the horse I have to what? Curry, curry Curry the horse? That's right He's big enough to walk himself (laughs) Now look, Abbott I'm going to take Peanut Butter out to Hollywood Park And I'm going to enter him into races Uh, The track is pretty muddy Do you think he'll be able to race? What is he, a mutter? What? I said, is he a mutter? How can he be a mutter? (laughs) Ain't a she always a mutter? Well, certainly not. Sometimes a he makes a better mutter than a she. (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) Look, Abbott, suppose a mama horse has little horses. Don't that make her a mutter? Well, that depends on her feet. You learn something new every day, don't you? (laughs) No, Costello, a mutter is a horse that likes to run in mud on account of having sore feet. Well, in that case, I guess Peanut butter is a mother because I saw him limping on his two front feet. Oh, I see. He's having trouble with his forelegs. Why, certainly. Because when... What'd you say? I said he's having trouble with his forelegs. I just got through telling you... He was only limping with his two front legs. Costello, your horse's forelegs are in front. His forelegs are in front? Yes. What are those things in the back? What you... Uh, look, you don't understand. Your horse has forelegs in front and hind legs in back. Forelegs in the front and hind legs in back? That's right. What, I got a centipede? <laughs> look, Costello, your horse only has four legs. I know, I know, well... but he only races on three of them. What does he do with the other leg? He trips the other horses. (laughs) Costello. He's a dirty horse. I can imagine that. He, he, he cheats. Yes, I can see that. But look, Costello, that broken down horse doesn't belong on a racetrack. Who'd ever bet on a nag like that? Look at him. I would. You would. I'm going to take all my money out out of my piggy bank. I'm even going to sell my erector set and my ping pong paddles. (laughs) You're going to sell all that for what? And my miggles and marbles. And I'm going to bet every cent of my money on my horse. No, No, that's ridiculous, Costello. Putting all your money on a horse. Big gamblers don't do that. Oh, no? Well, the biggest gambler that ever lived did it. And just who was the biggest gambler that ever lived? Lady Godiva. Lady Godiva was a... Lady Godiva. Lady Godiva was a gambler? Yep. She put everything she had on a horse. I... Oh!
4: (laughs) The news is pouring in from everywhere. The Siegfried Line in the Philippines, Burma jungles, and Italian battlefields. And everywhere the war is being fought, camels are being smoked. Besides, more people on the home front seem to be smoking more now than ever before. All of which I mentioned to explain why sometimes your dealer has to say, I'm sorry, sir, no camels today. So remember this. The rich, full, fresh flavor of camels and their kind, cool, throat-considerate mildness make camels worth asking for again the very next time you're buying cigarettes. Keep on asking for... C A M E L S. Camels, the cigarette of costlier tobaccos. Freddie Rich now in a special treatment of a swell samba hit from Latin America, Tico Tico.
3: Horse learned that dance step. Oh, he's a horseless at the Hollywood canteen. <laughs> look, Lou, not horses. You mean hostess. Look, oh, all right, Costello. Come on. Here we are at the Hollywood racetrack. Now, we've got to see one of the officials and register your horse. Why, register him now? The election's over. No, no. <laughs> he he didn't want to vote anyway. Die, you dummy. In order to enter your horse in the race, you've got to show his pedigree. For instance, who was your horse fooled by? I beg your pardon? Who was your horse fooled by? He wasn't fooled by anybody He's a very smart horse, Sapper <laughs> No, 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 no Costello My horse is no dummy no, 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 you don't understand You've got to tell them all about your horse His age, his weight, and your horse's height do you, know, do you know your horse's height? Oh, sure, I know him very good He's a very good friend of mine Who's a friend of yours? Horse's height, the band leader oh. I know him very good Because I run around with his brother Now, nah. well, cut, cut out the nonsense Come on, let's see if we can find a jockey to ride your horse. I, I aren't so
2: sure grandiose a jockey. I'm a dandy. Woo, woo. Well, it's our old
5: friend, Kitsa. <laughs> Kitsa.
2: Oh, my, hello, Mr. Rabbit, and you too, Mr. Casmello. Ho, ho.
5: <laughs>
2: my goodness, I haven't seen you in a long distance.
5: I understand.
2: I understand that you're looking for a jockey.
3: Uh, Now just a minute, Kitzel. Are you trying to tell us that you know how to ride a horse?
2: Do I know how to ride a horse? (laughs) I'm laughing. I see that. Why, for your information, I just got finished riding a horse across the whole country, from New York to Hollywood. (gasps) Hoo hoo! I rode for days and days until the seat of my trousers were worn thin, and here I am.
3: You finally came through.
2: I finally came through (laughs) Mm, Could be
3: (laughs) Uh, Listen, Uh, Kitzel Kitzel. Just a minute, that's me That's my line Yeah, please, just a minute Uh, Costello Uh, Kitzel, Costello has just bought a horse And he's looking for a good jockey
2: Well, well, look no further Because I'm just the man you're looking at You know I lost only one race this year and, and and that was because my horse was scratched in the handicap. Well that's a
3: very tender spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that gets scratched no, no, in the handicap. No, 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 Costello. The handicap is like a derby. Kitzel, did you ever ride in a derby?
2: No, I always wear a stocking cap. Look, Kitzel You ain't gonna ride My peanut butter I'm gonna
3: get my kid Brother Sebastian To ride him
2: Well, you're making A big mistake Because I'll have you To know I won The Dixie Handicap Riding on that Famous horse Ocean Cracker Ocean Cracker? Yes I never heard of him He's the father Of Seabiscuit Uh (laughs) Oh, my goodness I can see that You
3: know very little About horses Oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you Something, Kitzel I hang out With all the famous cowboys Last night, I shot craps with Pink Rider. Pink Rider? Pink Rider. Pastello. I thought it was Red Rider. It was, but I faded him.
2: <laughs> oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, I can see that you doubt my ability as an equestionaire. Yes, I can see it. But I'm going to give you a sample of my fancy riding on my own horse. You see, that's him over there with the wooden saddle. You you ride
3: a horse with a wooden saddle? Oh,
2: certainly. I like a wooden saddle. Watch me jump into it. Ah! I... Oh, sliver! Okay. <laughs>
3: hey, hey, Costello, look. Here comes your little brother, Sebastian. Ah! Hello. I'm all ready to ride peanut butter in the big race I brought along a special saddle Uh, Do you call that a saddle? Yeah That looks like one of your mother's old girdles It is And if I see no horse is gonna lose I can let him out in the stretch (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right Uh, Costello, you go over and register your horse While I uh, teach Sebastian how to ride You ain't gonna teach me nothing Sebastian, you listen to your Uncle Bud I won't You will I won't You will I won't I'm going crazy you will I won't Well, that was a photo finish Oh, go on, Costello Take care I'll take care of Sebastian You go ahead Okay, now, see you now. later All right, go ahead Now, Sebastian We're going to give the horse a workout All right Now, hold still, peanut butter <coughs> There, boy Now, Sebastian Put that harness over his head That's it now Now, uh, give him a bit in the mouth Give him a what? Give him a bit in the mouth Give him a bit in the mouth? Yes What kind of English is that? You mean give him a bite in the mouth. Never mind that. Now, now you've got the bridle on. Uh, what happens to the reins? They go away when the sun comes out. No, no, I mean the reins on the horse. Oh, let it rain on the horse. What do you want me to do? Hold an umbrella over him? Uh, uh, Sebastian, why must you always be a smart aleck? I don't know. Ah, your brother is depending on this horse race. He's depending on this horse to win it. And what are you doing? What are you doing? You stand here and ridicule this poor old horse. A horse that probably has a large family. He wants to win this race and go back to his green pastures, don't you think? And you won't help him. What's the matter with you? I don't know. Oh, you don't know. Uncle Bud, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. I guess I possess a cruel streak. I got a wart nature. I have no consideration for dumb animals. I should run the race and let the poor old horse sit in the saddle. I'll say you should. But why do you continually persist in doing these things?
5: Oh, I'm a bad boy!
4: While Abbott and Costello are riding their horse out to the Hollywood Park, let's all take a ride with Connie Haynes on a trolley car.
6: With my high starch collar and my high top shoes And my hair piled high upon my head I went to lose a jolly, hour opened the trolley And lost my heart instead With his light brown derby and his bright green tie He was quite the handsomest of men I started to yen, so I counted to ten then Ten again. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart string. For the moment I saw him, I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor. Bump, bump, bump went the bray. Thump, thump, thump went my heart When he smiled I could feel the car shake He tipped his hat and took a seat He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet He asked my name, I have my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Flop, flop, flop went the wheel. Stop, stop, stop went my heart strings. As he started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand. And as if it were planned. It was grand just to stand with his hand Holding mine To the end of the
4: line Ah, Connie, that was swell. A delightful demonstration of the loveliness that can come out of the human throat. And you know, you folks listening out there, your throat is just as important to you as Connie's is to her. You, too, surely want to give it proper care and attention, like the right choice of cigarette, for example. Now, undoubtedly, you've often asked yourself which cigarette is best for you. Well, the answer is in your T-zone. That's T for taste and T for throat. Try Camel's kind, cool mildness on your throat. See how it feels after a long day's smoking. And try Camel's rich, full, fresh flavor on your taste. See if the last cigarette of the day doesn't taste as good as the first.
5: C-A-F-E-L-S.
4: Camels, try their mildness and flavor on your T-Zone tonight. Good
5: <laughs> well, afternoon, racing fans, and welcome to the Hollywood track. The races will start in
4: 15 minutes, and we hope you'll have a wonderful... At the, uh, race <laughs> And above all, ladies and gentlemen Beware of pickpockets Don't let them get your money Save it for us
5: <laughs>
3: Hey, Abbott Hey, Abbott We're in trouble, what do you mean I just came from the stable They, they don't want to let my horse run They said he wasn't in condition Who told you that? The track vegetarian And and not vegetarian, you dope That's veterinarian Veterinarian? Yes That's what my grandfather is Your father is a horse doctor? No, my grandfather He's a veterinarian A veterinarian in the Spanish-American War Oh, talk sense, (laughs) sadist What did the doctor say was wrong with your horse? He said he was bugs He said he had the crickets He didn't say crickets Your horse has rickets Rickets? That's what my father drinks every night Your father drinks rickets? Yeah, slow gin rickets Oh (laughs) Pastella, quiet Here comes the doctor now
7: Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am Dr. Nazaro, the racetrack veterinarian. Well, I'm glad to meet you, doctor.
3: Is it true that Costello's horse can't run this afternoon?
7: Well, I suppose he could run if he had the proper medical treatment. I'll tell you what you do, Costello. Run over to the drugstore and get a tumor mesopteries, a little capteries, and a waterfrapper sailor might to take the seat of the (laughs) report. Then you buy a hypodermic needle and shoot the medicine in the left order right above the brace. Between the capteries, you bring all the frost. Don't buy any kestrel because that'll be read Then you're pushing the shoulder horse's <laughs> right and put it right below the twan.
3: I beg your
5: pardon?
7: I said you put it right below the twan.
5: <laughs> I should never
7: do that to my horse. <laughs> You've got it, Costello. Now take your pencil and write this down. Okay. Dear druggist. Yes. Yeah. Please give Costello one tube of sataphrase with a little drops of quartz and one bottle of cassacipa hittinsterane <laughs> <of casserole laughs> and a jar of passive salt-free cricilloprene of hopperous Now, have you got that written
3: down? I got it all but one part what, what part did you miss? The part that comes after Dear Druggist <laughs> That's because You're not paying any attention, Costello
7: Yes, I simply told you To get a little bit of a sap and of rice That you can rub on the case I could tell you to get Some half-rephrase For the hidden, Sir Craze But why should I famous all remain? You we be So remonted And I know What I'm talking about
3: You and
5: nobody else
3: Costello how dare you insult the doctor? I can't understand you. You can't understand me!
5: Listen to him!
3: This is the most outrageous
7: thing I've heard in all my life. I'm a graduate of the Veterinary College of Francis Straw. You know where Muffin is? Well, at seven miles, turn to the rate, go to the pass, there's a great big set and you water it up a cent. I took medicine for eight years. Yeah, but you forgot to take the spoon
3: out of your mouth! <laughs> Castello, please. Don't give me that... cut that out or the doctor won't treat your horse. That's
7: right, young man. Do you realize that your horse is suffering from a very severe case of twiddle sore from point of It could be worse. You might have saveries of the all, doctor Dr. Ford, You know that that... When he's in that condition... Why, he's liable to walk out and track and pull the steering.
5: <laughs>
3: he wouldn't dare. Anything but turn a Santa's head. Nah, never look, uh, never mind. Look, never mind, Doctor. Go ahead and get the horse ready for the race, please. Very well. Where shall I send the bill? Now it's my turn. Bring your bill to room 509 in Fong Dubiton 4 building at the corner of Big Leger Show. It's right near it's a big Shakespeare Street. Okay. I'll be there. Where? You said it. What did I say? I mean, hey, Abbott, was that guy real or am I dreaming? I mean, I know it seems silly, but I'm pinching myself Young man, you're pinching me I'm not so silly after all
5: (laughs)
4: Attention, everybody, the horses are at the post for the first race
3: Come on, Costello, your horse doesn't run till the last race Let's make a few bets on the other races Racing forms, get your racing forms How about a racing form, young man? A what? I have the racing form. Well, keep your coat button and nobody will notice it. (laughs) Costello, this woman is a bookie. She's a bookie? Yes. Who? Evan. Let's get out of here before her husband comes. I'm afraid of him. You're afraid of her husband? Yeah. Everybody's afraid of the bookie men. Oh, quiet. (laughs) Quiet, Costello. Let's let's make a bet. Yes. How about placing a bet with me? What race are you running in?
5: (laughs) Uh, I'd have won the
3: last race of my... Uh, what do you mean? Uh, young man, would you like to buy one of my special dope sheets? Now, in this dope sheet, there's one horse that pays 200 to one. Yeah. There's another horse that pays 500 to one. Yeah, and yeah. my big dope sheet vessel yeah. pays 1000 to one. Yeah. And do you know what I think? I think you better quit eat, quit eating the dope off those sheets.
5: Uh, <laughs> uh, look, come uh, in.
3: Uh, Costello. Look, uh, uh, never mind her. The first race is about to start. I'll take your bet, Blue. You're gonna take my bet? I'll take your bet Okay, Abbott, yeah, I'll bet $2 Here's oh. the money They're off The race is over You lose Wait a minute Wait a minute What kind of a bet was that? They're off The race is over You lose What kind of a race was but, that? What's wrong? A one step? Come on, run that race over again I want to see it Pipe down, fight down Now in now the next race I, I want you to double up Double up? Yeah. I ain't even straightened up From the last one <laughs> I mean I want you to bet $4 You want me to bet $4? Yeah $4, my eye My eye, that's a good horse It's a bet they're off The race is over You lose Will you wait a minute? Stop squawking Accidents will happen Maybe the horse Got dust in his eye You don't know You know what dust is Yeah, dust is mud With the juice squeezed out Yeah, well, Now in the next race There ain't gonna be No next race but listen There's only two horses In the next race Jellybean and Lollipop You bet on each horse And you can't lose Well, maybe that's right Certainly is right Jellybean and lollipop Two horses I'm a sucker anyway Yeah Two horses I bet on each horse That's right I can't lose How can you lose? Okay, here's $20 on jellybean And here's $20 on lollipop Good Good The horses are at the post Right They're off Look, lollipop first, jelly bean second. Come on, jelly pop! You, no, you, you, you mean lollipop? I mean jelly pop! I'm betting on that torta! Uh, wait a minute, they're rounding the turn. Lollipop first, jelly bean second. Come on, somebody! They're in the stretch. Lollipop first, jelly bean second. They're under the wire. And the winner Hershey Bar. <laughs> Hershey Bar. Now wait that the nuts. <laughs> Now, just a minute! In the last race—that was my last race. But wait a minute, Costello. There's only one horse in this last race. Oh, one horse in the race. Certainly. Man. You sound like one of them racetrack trouts. No, no, no. Trout, trout. All yes. right. But I wouldn't make another bet if there was no horses in the race. But Costello, it's your own horse, peanut butter. Peanut butter? Yeah, one horse. Oh, yeah, but you mean my own little yeah. horse, peanut yes, butter? Yes, yes, yes. That's different. Come on. I'm gonna bet everything I got Not on peanut talking. butter. Here, Rabbit. What? Put $10 on the nose. $10 on the nose. $10 on the tail. $10 on the tail. Here's another $10. Put it under the saddle. What for? In case he comes in sideways. (laughs) Look, you can't lose. It's a one-horse race. One-horse race. Look, they're off in a bunch. Wait a minute! How can one horse be off in a bunch? wait a minute. At the half, it's peanut butter. Come on, peanut butter! At the three-quarters, peanut butter. Come on, peanut butter! Spread, peanut butter! Spread! (laughs) Spread out, peanut butter! In the stretch. And the winner... Peanut butter! Oh, hooray! I win! My I a peanut butter win! Give me my money! Just a minute, folks. It's a photo finish. Photo finish! <laughs> one horse in a race! How can it be a photo finish? Lollipop just came in from the last race. <laughs> he must be one of Bing Crosby's horses. Look, Abbott! Look over there! What? No wonder I lost. What's the matter? Here comes my little butter, Sebastian riding on peanut butter. What's the matter with that kid? Look at the way he's riding. He's riding underneath the horse. (laughs) Sebastian, you should have won that race. What was the idea of riding underneath the horse instead of on top of him?
5: Well, it was Dr. Nazara's order.
3: Dr. Nazara told you to ride under the horse? Yeah. He said the horse was sick, and he told me to watch his stomach. Oh,
4: please. Adam Costello will be back in a moment. Thanks to the Yanks of the Week, tonight we salute Marine Corporal George Wise Masarrakis of Chicago, Illinois, a tank gunner for his valiant service in the conquest of Saipan. In your honor, Corporal Masarrakis, the makers of camels are sending to our fighters overseas 400,000 camel cigarettes. Each of the three camel radio shows honors a Yank of the Week by sending free 400,000 camel cigarettes overseas a total of more than a million camels set free each week. In this country, the camel caravans traveling from camp to camp have thanked audiences of more than four million yanks with free shows and free camels. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States three times a week, a short wave to our men overseas and to South America. Listen tomorrow to Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore, Monday to Bob Hawke in Thanks to the Yanks, and next Thursday to Abbott and Costello. And now, here's Bud and Lou back with the final word.
3: Well, Ken, we've just got time to say... Good night, folks. Good night, and buy bonds, everybody, By and bonds. plenty of them. Plenty of bonds. Good night to everybody in Canada. the you. <laughs> Be sure to tune
4: in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show. And remember, try camels on your throat and your taste. See for yourself how camels' mildness, coolness, and flavor click with you. Pipe smokers, pack your pipe with Prince Albert. That swell, aged-in-the-wood aroma clicks with folks around you as well as with yourself. You'll like Prince Albert's flavor, too. Rich, full-bodied, yet wonderfully mild. You'll like the crimp cut that makes Prince Albert pack firmly, draw smoothly, and burn evenly right down to the bottom of the bowl. Your pocketbook will like the economy of smoking Prince Albert. Just about 50 pipefuls in that regular two-ounce package. More pipes smoke Prince Albert than any other tobacco in the world. and Costello show for Camel cigarettes. We'll be back at this very same time next week. Don't miss it. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you a
3: pleasant good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
0: Uh, I'm waiting for the chimes, and there's no chimes. Nick, are you back? Um, <laughs> Well, somebody had to do it. All right. I Uh, (laughs) I thought I'd chime in. Thanks to producer Daniel for selecting that one. That, I thought, was incredible. That was good from start to finish. That that was (laughs) top-notch. That was top-notch Abbott and Costello. I actually have a (laughs) whole lot of things to say about that one, and I'm sure you might as well or at least play off of what I'm saying. I made notes. Do you know who was doing the the horse in that show, uh,
1: Nick? That was Mel Blank.
0: Very good. Mel Blank and the boy gets his first cigar.
1: Okay. <laughs> he was sort of a semi regular on the show. He right. even did Bugs Bunny on the show.
0: Okay. Well, I didn't know that. As a
1: character.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Those who know Bugs Bunny, and everybody knows Bugs Bunny, we'll have to dig out one of those so we can hear Mel Blank do Bugs Bunny with Abbott and Costello. Oh.
1: Yet the one is called uh, Lucille Ball's Silk Stockings. Lucille, or Nylon Stockings.
0: Lucille Ball's Nylon Stockings. That's the topic for that show. Yep. Okay. All yep. right. We'll, we'll make a note of that. Also, a uh, famous uh, comedian, character, actor who also appeared with Jack Benny, Mr. Kitzel, was on the show. Mr. Kitzel. Now, <laughs> I don't know enough about this. Was this Mr. Kitzel? before he was with Jack Benny or was it the same time or what was going on? Same time.
1: Same time. He did double duty, uh, with them. Uh, he was a popular character, you know, Benny loved him. (laughs) I love love Benny laughing at at Mr. Kinsall. That's really sweet. You know?
0: Okay. Uh, question for you, Nick, what film was this mother fodder routine used in or was it used in a film?
1: Oh yes! In fact, uh, this was it, it. Ain't hay? It ain't
0: Which hay. was their okay. one,
1: their one visit with Damon Runyon, and uh, they did uh, the whole thing. It wasn't wasn't Bud doing the uh, uh, huckster part. It was uh, who was it? Richard Lane, the great Richard Lane, and uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's just hilarious. Um, I think they do it in the TV show too. They oh, I know they did it in the it
0: in TV show. show. Yeah, I don't know what season yeah. it's on. One of the TV shows, I just didn't remember what film it was in. Uh, okay,
1: yeah, it was. So, it ain't hey. But ain't also, hay. the same material is. I'm sorry, but the same material is played in the noose hangs high uh, oh. with Lou and Leon Arrow.
0: Okay, great so they, Leon they did it twice then in the movies. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. it, to me that's right up there with the um, the Who's on First. It's obviously a similar similar type of thing, but it <laughs> yeah. it was good um this is 19 <laughs> are off in a bunch yeah this is 1944 <laughs> and obviously the film um Meet me in St Louis had just come out uh, around that time and you had Connie Haynes doing the Judy Garland song the trolley song um hard to follow Judy Garland and do it but she she performed that quite admirably I thought so
1: yeah she
0: um,
1: she, was, she sang into like 1980s Connie Haynes Aha, see,
0: we're bringing it into the 80s now. See? (laughs) I don't know how many young people were paying attention to Connie Haynes in the 80s, but we're up to the 80s. We're doing pretty good here. See?
1: Uh (laughs) And Uh I think she was in her (laughs) 80s. Yeah, she had to be. Uh
0: (laughs) Okay, um, the cigarette. I wanted
1: to mention. Oh, oh, I'm sorry.
0: The cigarette Anyone? commercials. Camel cigarettes for proper throat care, and then yes. what cigarette is best for you? The obvious answer was none of them, but they wouldn't dare say that. Uh, of course, they, I guess they didn't even really know that back then. They're just sending all these cigarettes over to the servicemen to give them cancer before.
1: Before oh my get god! Shot. But think about think about the millions of people listening to Jack Benny and Abbott and Costello and all these people telling you that it's soothing for the throat. Your t zone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's toasted, so it's it's it's. You know, oh my god! It's just crazy.
0: I mean, we laugh uh, I, at it now, but it's it's terrible that that was promoted. Oh, it's that it's way. like a
1: horror story. Seriously, they're they're responsible for so much cancer. These comedians <laughs> who just like. Oh, yeah, you're going to give us money? Fine. uh, (laughs) Did you look into the product? Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Just give me the money. Um, I wanted to mention Cliff Nazaro, uh, who played the veterinarian.
0: Oh, yeah, I wondered uh, who that was. Okay.
1: Classic uh, comedy fans. Uh, He was the greatest double-talk comedian of all time. I I think he was a genius, to be honest with you. Um, There's clips of him on YouTube, and he just makes me laugh till I cry. He's, he's the best at what he did, better you, than Al Kelly.
0: So that we can send all these young folks off to YouTube, how do you spell his name? Cliff, obviously, C-L-I-F-F. C-L-I-F-F.
1: Right. Oh, you made Cliff notes. <laughs> and um, Nazaro. Nazaro, I believe, is N-A-Z-A-R-R-O.
0: N-A-Z-R-R-O. Cliff Nazaro. Yeah, that, that yeah. routine with, where they're garbling the names, that was really good. And I didn't know oh. who that was, so. Um, well, now you know. Yep, yep. Well, I learn stuff all the time doing these these programs because I've heard a lot of this stuff years ago. I collected all this years ago, and now I'm yeah. kind of revisiting it in my elderly stages here. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I don't always remember certain things, and so it's good to be reminded. Um, question for you, Mister Nick: Who wrote yes, sir. this stuff? I mean, this was extraordinarily well-written material from start to finish. Uh, Obviously, some of the routines were crafted by Bud and Lou themselves, but did they have a staff of writers that put the show together every week?
1: Uh, The the Bud and Lou's uh, radio show uh, was a revolving door show, meaning that much like Red Button's TV show later on, uh, every week would have someone new seemingly. I I know Duffy's Tavern was kind of the same way. but Lou would hire his brother, Pat, <laughs> as a writer, uh, who would basically just say, yeah, do the mutter fodder routine there. You know, that would be good. And they knew it. They they didn't have to read right. it.
0: Actually. That they wouldn't you have know. to read.
1: Yeah. So uh, it, it, I really can't pinpoint. Yeah, you
0: know, they, they don't uh, say at the end, the Abbott and Costello show was written by blah, blah, blah. They don't give you any no. credits. So, um, mm-hmm. And I know they wrote a lot um, of their stuff, but. Somebody yeah, well, had to put, put all, of all that from, together. From her
1: last. And you heard also on that show, you heard uh, Lou's brother in law, Joe Kirk, uh, had a few lines, and uh, Alvia Allman.
0: Elvia was, Allman. Uh, oh, I knew her. She used to come to all the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters luncheons and nostalgia nights in Hollywood when I used to do all that stuff. Yeah, she Elvia was a regular was on everywhere. the
1: Alvin Costello show. She played Mrs. Niles, Ken Niles. And uh, she was Lou's Lou's mortal enemy on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And she's wonderful.
0: Yeah, she was a very nice elderly lady when I knew her. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yes, very very nice. All right. um, Let's talk a little bit about your book again, and then we're going to – send everybody off until next week when we do another Abbott and Costello radio show, and you're back with us for that. Um, nope. The book is The Annotated Abbott and Costello. It's a absolutely stunning digest of all their films, um, but you guys do it a little differently than most film books. You actually do opinions back and forth and all kinds of detail. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, people have described it as a conversation between two knowledgeable Abbott and Costello fans. So, uh, but we are honest about our opinions. You know, some of the films I don't like, some of them I do. Uh, you know, Matthew feels the same way. Um, we felt, and this is this is where the book came from. We felt, and it was Matthew who brought this up. We felt that uh, Abbott and Costello were given short shrift as far as classic comedians you know the the fact that the Three Stooges nowadays are really the only recognizable Golden Age comedy team or let I'll go back comedians in general uh tells me that you know we're in deep trouble <laughs> uh yeah I I kind of I love the Stooges but yeah. I kind of like I kind of liken their energy to like you know, pro wrestling and, and that kind of vibe, which is not a bad thing for people. That's wonderful, but that really is where they come from. That kind of physical, crazy, blue-collar uh, you know, comedy. You get in and out, it's 20 minutes, no you know, nobody gets hurt. Boom, boom, boom. Uh I feel really bad that avid and Costello are considered less than the three Stooges. Uh not one of the Stooges has any depth to speak of they could not uh, uh, front their own features until they you know later on when they were old men and it was too late but um call it? and Costello and especially you know well but your our pal Groucho Marx called him the greatest straight man who ever lived and who are we to argue with, with Groucho Chaplin called Lou uh the greatest comedian working uh in film so we're talking about people who were lauded who were praised who were ultra-successful, and now we're looking at, you know, oh, Laurel and Hardy, the cream of the crop. I love Laurel and Hardy. They're great, you know, but I love Abbott and Costello. They're great, too. So I don't understand this this snobbery when it comes to Bud and Lou, you know? Is it is it that they're, you know, from New Jersey, from the streets of New Jersey, and you know, semi-educated? Uh Is that where the snobbery comes from? I I don't know. I really don't know. I just know that I find them very endearing, and uh, I go to their films more, probably more than any other when it comes to classic comedy, even the Marx Brothers. I go to Avenue Costello first. I I think I feel more at home with them.
0: All right. Well, interesting. I I would (laughs) disagree there. I go to the Marx Brothers first, but I think— Yeah, uh, but it's only
1: 13 films and only only like, four, only like four of them are good so i, let's, I mean let's
0: face it <laughs> but
1: still you can't That's you can't honor.
0: get me off of that but whatever mm-hmm. um we can oh i love the marsh brothers too i know you don't don't. Do. i know you do you know, I, I adore them um all right well y- your book is fantastic um, thank you John. to anybody who had never Herod, Abbott, and Costello didn't know anything about them. There's your taste of Abbott and Costello, and I think it was a feast for the ears. Um, if you like what you heard on today's show, number one movie to check out, as we said earlier, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, you'll, you'll really have a good time with that one. And if you really want to get into the team and all their various movies, good, bad, and indifferent, you gotta get Nick and Matthews' book, *The Annotated <laughs> Abbott and Costello*. You just gotta have it because it, it's it's brutally honest, and and that I love it. I love it for that, and it um, it just re- really makes them shine. It does them proud, as they say. And um, I think that um, it's just something that is essential for any fan of classic comedy uh, you just you just got to have those movies you got to see them you got to introduce your kids to them you got to introduce the neighbor kids to them you got you got to get them out there because if they're not seen they won't be appreciated and that's by the way the reason the three stooges are so appreciated these days they ran those films over and over and over again in the 60s in the 70s in the 80s And then they kind of faded away by the 90s, but they're still out there. They're still running those on various cable channels. And the Three Stooges made a lot of movies, a hundred and some movies, so there's a lot to choose from. Uh, Good, bad, and indifferent, as we say. Um, But that is why they have held their position as the number one vintage comedy team. Uh, even though I certainly wouldn't put them there. I, I like various elements of the Three Stooges, and a, a few of the films I really, really like, but there's lots of clunkers in there, and they, they really honestly don't deserve the type of long-lasting fame that they have somehow acquired through multiple, multiple, multiple airings of their movies. But we need to do that for Abbott and Costello. Um, they need to be more of those films on Turner Classic Movies. More of them show up on various cable channels if they can. I don't know what the rights issues are with those. I know that Abbott and Costello basically say, saved Universal Studios from bankruptcy. Uh, between that and the monster films, that that is their legacy, um, mm-hmm. and so you know, it's just, it's, it's just get those films in front of fresh eyeballs, and those fresh eyeballs and those fresh ears will fall in love with them just like we have. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Thank you, Mr. Nick Santa Maria, for appearing on the good old days of radio show today. You will be back with us for another episode of Abbott and Costello next week. So you're not going away forever. And I'm sure you'll be back again in the future. Um, <laughs> I'm going away forever. Oh, no. Thank you,
1: John. And I want to say thank you, Pro- producer Dan. Uh, Jan. I want to thank you. That was good. a great choice.
0: Good. Yeah. No, it was. I was really impressed with that. That was probably the most impressive Abbott and Costello radio show I'd <laughs> ever heard. So we'll see how next week's is, but I, I trust his judgment. It's going to be good. All right. Nick Santa Maria, our guest. This is the good old days of radio show. John Tefteller, your host. Uh, back on Thursday with uh, some sort of film noir type radio noir stuff. And then back next Tuesday with Nick Santa Maria again. And another great episode of the Abbott and Costello Radio Show. So tell all your friends and keep the word spreading about this. We need as many young people listening to this podcast as possible, and we need as young as many young people as we can talking about all these great old uh, comedians and great old shows. That's what it'll take to keep them alive and keep them going into future generations. So thanks to everybody for that, and we'll see you next week.